Well, I'm going to be talking about misfits. How many of you felt like you've been called the black sheep of the family? Raise your hand. Come on. Everybody should. The black sheep of the family, an outcast, a misfit, I, I, you're different. I've been called all these. Welcome. The Lord said, welcome them into the kingdom of greatness. Because you're not going to fit anywhere else. How many of y'all tried to fit somewhere else? <laughs> hey, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Misfits. So I'm, the Lord said, you know you're surrounded by misfits. Amen. I said, yep. In fact, you said every true apostolic, apostolic house should be full of misfits. He said, if you're not a misfit, you're not an end-time remnant, okay? So an end-time remnant is different from a remnant. Many are called, right, into what? The body of Christ. That's a remnant. If you're born again, you're a remnant. But what makes you an end-time remnant? What makes you an end-time remnant? If you're in this house, you're going to be an end-time remnant. An end-time remnant is saved, look at the order, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed, renewed, and glorified. In other words, you, you carry, I think all of us carry right now a, how do you say it? A measure of the presence of God. So we're misfits. So what is a misfit? Let's look on the screen. Number one, a person who is poorly adapted to a situation or environment. Number two, a social misfit. How many of y'all have been in real groups and just felt awkward? Just felt awkward. You're an end time. That's me. I'd, I think I'd rather be sitting there than over there. Wouldn't you? A true end-time remnant will not fit into worldly environments. You should feel alienated in a worldly environment. You, should just, you, you just shouldn't feel like you're fitting in. Something is wrong. If you feel like you're fitting in, you're being deceived, and it's going to end up in some kind of pain or loss. It's going to end up dare to be different. So let's look on. Where, where, where were there misfits in the Bible? I want to tie this back to the Word of God. Were there misfits? Okay. 1 Samuel 22.1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Is that right? So when the brothers and his father's house, so when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. <clears throat> so everyone who was what? In distress, what else? In debt, and what else? Discontented, and they what? Welcome to kingdom life. Welcome to kingdom life. So there's three categories of people in misfits. People in distress. What does that mean? Pain, suffering, trouble, emotional distress. When the Lord told me to open up this ministry, I said, I want, he said, I want you to transform that bride from an emotional bride to a worshiping bride. 
How many of y'all come in here emotional now you worship him? Like crazy worshipers. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working with the revelation. Number two, those in debt, those that just could not pay off their debt, they became a slave. Number three, those who were discontented, in other words, they were dissatisfied with life. How many of you said, take me now? How many of y'all said, take me now? Just totally dissatisfied with life. Then you are a misfit. You're a misfit. Misfits experiences will, when trying to fit into the world are criminals in the world. All right, listen. <clears throat> misfits experiences misfits experiences when trying to fit in to the world they end up being criminals in the world in that in that environment does that make sense is it too deep for you all right let's keep going do you fit into one of those categories how many raise your hand i want to see who's in there then you're a misfit let's look at uh first samuel 22 23 david said stay with me and do not fear for he who seeks my life, but with me you shall be safe. How many of y'all heard the safe word in this place? From, from our leaders, you're in a safe place. You can be transparent. Um, we realize now that we, we, we don't eat from the tree of what? Good and evil. Because that was God's tree. Anything, anytime you partake of what's God, there's going to be a fall in your life. The reason that he didn't want you to partake of that tree is because you'd be judgmental. And every one of us are judgmental. On some level, we have been judgmental. I've been the king of it and had to realize I can't judge anything until I have the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. If I've got the mind of Christ, because that judgment's going to be different than my natural mind judging people. So, he said, you shall be saved. Apostolic caves are safe. I, I said, listen, uh, don't invite people to church anymore. They're not going to come. Tell them to come to David's cave. They're going to come just to see what the cave's about. And then that, that, that apostolic suction of the Father is just going to grab them. And pull them in. <laughs> All they got to do is get through the door. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so by the time we get to chapter 22, listen, David is on the run for his life. I still can't wrap my, my mind around this king. It is interesting to read how David describes himself during these very dark times in his life when Saul was chasing after him. Let's look at it. He said, I am hunted like a partridge. He said, I am like a pelican in the wilderness. He said, I'm like an owl in the desert. My soul is among lions, and they have prepared a net for my steps. This is a king, one of the greatest kings that was in the Bible before Jesus. The Bible talks about David's character more than anybody else. In that Bible, till Jesus came along. That ought to tell us something. As you imagine, David was, was weary during these years to, f 
the flight from Saul. He, was, he wasn't fighting with Saul because he refused to fight with Saul because he respected the anointing on Saul. So he kept running from Saul. Saul was jealous of David. Saul wanted what David had. Saul wanted that relationship that David had with God. Saul wanted the favor, not just the anointing. Now, you can be anointed and not have favor. You can be anointed and not have favor. I've seen it with ministers. They've been highly anointed, but there's no favor on their life. The Lord said, you know, the spirit of Saul is with us today. I run into Saul all the time. I'm running into Saul right now. God's anointed one was reduced to live in a cave. But God, he said, when a believer loses his heart, his behavior changes. And there is an unbreakable connection between one's confection and one's conduct. There's an unbreakable connection there. So when your faith and your, your heart are steadfast in the Lord, you will act like a child of God. Amen to that. But when, when, but when whatever reason your faith fails, your, your heart grows weak, your conduct will betray that faith. Because of David's fear with the king of Gath, he fled to the cave of Adullam. Adullam means what? So there's an important lesson here for any believer who has ever tried to befriend the world. And we've all tried to befriend the world. If a believer actually fits in to the world, he is not a believer. It's impossible. For, for reasons that may seem good at the time, but sometimes Christians try to make peace with the world. And God never told us to make peace with the world. He told us to go save souls. <laughs> You'll never make peace with the world. He said to save souls. In the last 30 days, who has saved a soul in this house? Come on, Chris, who else? I'm not talking about just saving them from hell, but I'm talking about rescuing them from, from torment, from fear, from anger, from all these things that actually take you to hell. Right? They're, on, they're all hanging up right there. The strategy never works. Let's look at John 15, 19. I love this verse. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet you are, you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Don't think that everybody's going to love you. I've tried it. If you get this scripture in your head and you get rejected by somebody, that seed won't come in. That seed will not enter because that word will lift up a standard and say, the world hates you already. The world hates you already. So I, that's, I, that, that's been a good scripture for me over the years. David fled to the king of Gath, and he tried to befriend the enemy of God's people. He simply degraded himself. I want to watch what David does here now. The peace and safety David sought could not be found in Gath. They were found in the simple solitude in a cave. So think about this, a king in a cave, a king in a cave, a king that has a palace, a throne full of gold and, and jewels and servants all around him. He's in a dark cave. 
So when David started himself, <clears throat> separated himself from the world, he was richly rewarded by God when supporters he never knew came in the door. I cried out to God, I don't know how many times. I'm done. I can't do this by myself. It's amazing. In that room over there, I cried out to him, I don't know how many times. Because you get close to people, you train them up, you raise them up, you, you lead them the right way, and then they're gone. Building that ministry around that table over there. Kingdom life right here. And a prophet said, I'm sending ones that will stand by your side. Well, when you're that low, you don't believe anything. It's just another prophecy, and most of them don't come to pass. You know why? Because, because we try to become that prophecy. God never told us to become a prophecy. He said to declare it. He said to become the Word of God. Who were David's followers? Those in distress. So whatever the problem was with these people, God had drawn them to David to build an army. Listen, we got some older saints in here. Your, your life has just begun. Your life has just begun. God has been building an army here to send out to Savannah with an unbelievable presence, unbelievable revelation, and a glow about them that people will know, that's what I need. If that person would just say one word, I'll get undone. I'll get undone. So they believed he could help them. They sensed in him, the people that came through the door, he came in the cave, they believed that David could help them because they had a kindred spirit. See, don't you get some sort of a connection there, that you got a kindred spirit with someone? Like, like they, you've known them all your life but don't know anything about them. That's a kindred spirit. A spirit for wanting more of God. If you come in this door, you've wanted more of God, I'm telling you. You've been done with religion. You've been done with false prophets and false apostles. You've been done with false leaders. How many of us seek the Lord out of sheer necessity? Raise your hand. Out of sheer necessity. I do it every morning, out of sheer necessity. Listen, if you knew everything that God has entrusted me with, you would be on your face every morning seeking wisdom on how to steward that. You can't steward anything he hadn't given you because he's not going to give you the power to do it because it's going to glorify the flesh. So anything he's not given you, it is from the flesh. Okay. I'm going to skip. So a person doesn't eat unless they are hungry. How many of y'all are hungry for more of the word? More of his power, more of his presence. More of his presence. More of Jesus. David's supporters were in debt. Listen to this. Debt is a deception that wants to give you prematurely what God wants to give you freely. When I was just meditating on debt, and that just bubbled up in my spirit, he said debt is a deception. Now, debt is, loans are okay, but debts are different. A loan is something you can pay off if you have to pay that loan off. A debt is different. A debt is something you can't pay off. You don't have the, the resources to pay it off. 
So what happens is debt is a deception that wants to give you prematurely what God wants to give you freely. What he's already given you is done. Everything that, that, that your soul needs to be satisfied with, he's already given you. So it's in the spirit realm. It's the riches, every spiritual blessing, every, every, all the riches of glory in the spirit realm. What's holding it back from landing? Think about it. How can I extract these supernatural blessings into my life? I learned this a long time ago, how to extract it. And I learned when he told me, he said, Gene, I cannot put what's holy on you. Now, when he says you, he's talking about you, your soul, your mind. He said, when you get a revelation that your mind has to be transformed into the mind of Christ, I will bless you like, like it won't stop. The blessings won't stop. Well, the first sign that a man or a woman does not have the mind of Christ yet is fear. That's the first sign because that's the first thing that goes in transformation. It just goes. He said, I can't put what's going to be everlasting because, you know, there's material things that are everlasting out there. They're going to last as long as you're alive. Whatever he gives you is going to last as long as you're alive. But he's, get, he's going to give it, marry it to his character. To his character. Meditation seems like such a, a stupid exercise. For me, as an entrepreneur, as someone who does something 110% of everything I do, to slow me down to the RPM of 80, is that what those records were? 45? 45. 45. 45. 45. 45. 45. 43. 43. 43. Would just drive me crazy. That was my flesh raging because it was in opposition to what God wanted to bring me when I would allow my mind to be transformed through meditation on that word. Listen to what it says. There are many forms of debt. All debt is like a disease that eats a person up. It, he, he said debt takes the place of the Father's presence. The Father is a giver of all good things. So in David's time, listen, this was in David's time. If a person got in over his head, he could lose. Oh, there's people doing it. That law is still in place. Now, in the Old Testament, was it every seven years they canceled out debts? And, and Jubilee was what, every 50? Every 50. Every seven years, the Lord ordered to cancel all debt because he knew what it was doing to the people. He does not want any of us to be a slave but unto him. And then he doesn't want us to mature in that slavery. Because if we mature in that slavery, we're going to attract the spirit that's going to keep us immature. And that's where the church is today. They're in a church mindset. They're in a slave mindset. They never entered into a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset is a son. He's going to be like Jesus. He's going to be free. You can't control a free man, can you? 
Can anybody control a free man? No, he's going to, no, he can't do it. All people are debtors under the law. Sin has made us all debtors. 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 What, what did the people say? They realized that the, the, the apostles were, had been with Jesus, right? Because they'd been what? They were unlearned. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us of our debts. He wiped it clean. Remember when he wiped it clean? I love those songs. You like those new songs? Yes. Oh, man, they're, they're powerful. So David's supporters were discontented. So if you're, if you're any of these three, you're in the right house. You're in the right cave. Let's put it that way. The Spirit of God's going to draw you back. You might get bad at something or something I say or something that happens, but you're going to be miserable because every person has a house, a spiritual house that God has called them to. And this is a spiritual house. This is the house of God. This is not a church. You are the church. They've turned you into a building and then God left. Being dissatisfied with life, <clears throat> this refers to a, a, a kind of a soul that has a lot of bitterness in it. Disappointments make people bitter, and they don't realize that that bitterness is actually attracting the disappointment, like a magnet. Unmet needs and hope deferred cannot lead to discontentment. A lot of discontented people try to find contentment in things where? In the world, and what is that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, entertainment, alcohol, relationships, employment, religion, family. They put everything they put trying to find their fit, trying to find their fit. It'll never happen. The problem is lasting contentment is only found in the person of who? I didn't say Jesus Christ. Christ, Jesus Christ. I said Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ already did his work. He got you into, into these chairs, didn't he? He got us up here worshiping, right? But now what's, what does Christ Jesus do? He transforms and he introduces you to the Father. Man, did my life change when I was introduced to the Father. Even he made a way to the Father, but I hadn't been there yet. The Father drew us to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. The Father draws us to Jesus. But once we get saved and born again, you've got to encounter the Father. If you encounter the Father, you're going to be so content with your life because he, we're looking for love in the wrong places. He is love. And that little, little, little bit of transformation of that mind that you get, Jesus is about to introduce that part of your life to the Father. And you're going to feel love. Like it hits me up here sometimes. Father just hits me. I, can't, I start weeping like a baby. Look at John 16, 33. 16, 
John 16:33. I just saw it. Oh, I added this one. That's right, you can keep it for the sake of time. So, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and honed themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. You know, at one point, my passion was building buildings, but that couldn't hold water. Cohen loves golf. His passion is golf. One day he's going to realize that can't hold water. No gift holds water. No gift holds water. You're going to have to keep exercising that. That passion has to be exercised. When you come into the Father's presence, everything is settled. <coughs> I don't have anything that drives me now, except the Holy Ghost getting me in the presence of God every morning. But that's not really a drive. That's a pull. As soon as I wake up, I can feel the pull right here, right here. It's pulling me, pulling me. And it won't let up until I sit in that chair and put those headphones on and start worshiping. It won't let up. He said, my people have committed two sins. So, so there are many Christians who are digging their own wells, foolishly thinking their thirst can be quenched by the water, even though the, even their own wells cannot hold. That is amazing. So sometimes we dig wells with spiritual giftings and giftings that do not hold water. Water can only be held by a container. Spiritually, the container... Now, what is the water? What is the water? Holy Spirit, okay. We got that down. Okay. Spiritually speaking, what is the container that holds the water? The what? The new wine. I mean, the new wine skin. You should have said it. New wine skin. New wine skin. How does a new wine skin, how does it get formed and created? Meditating on revelation. That brings you into what? Transformation. Suffering. <laughs> Suffering's in it. When transformation is complete, the wine skin is made. Now the Holy Spirit can fill that place. The Father will not come where the Holy Spirit has not been first. And Jesus will not come until the Holy... I mean, the Father will, I mean, Jesus will not come until the Holy Spirit has been there first. The Father will not come unless Jesus has been there first. You see the order? It's a dying process. I wish, I wish somebody would have taught me this 20 years ago. I'd be a lot further along. So giftings, working through old wineskin, is sowing without water. So we have ministers today and powerful giftings. <coughs> Every time they speak, they sow, but there's no water. The water, what does the water do? The water washes you. It's the washing of water by the Word. The Word is what released the water, right? So just because we got saved and born again, we're not clean. We're not clean. 
And the only way that you can get that water flowing is meditating on that word. It's the only way. It's not going to work any other way. <clears throat> what happens when an old wineskin bursts? So, so what is the old wineskin in you? What's being transformed? No, the soul's not being transformed. Okay, let's get that. Let's park right there. I don't need y'all teaching something that's contrary to what I'm saying. So listen, the soul cannot be transformed. The soul has to be saved. Like when I said, how many of y'all saved someone? You could have said, well, I saved a lost person. And you could have said, I, uh, I saved the soul from producing something that's not like God. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Nowhere in the Bible does it say the soul is transformed. Nowhere. I've looked. It says the soul is saved by what? No? All right, all right, all right. So the soul is saved by the Word of God. That's how it's rescued. So people are walking around like their soul is saved. It's not. If that mind is not transformed first, the soul is not saved. Th through the transformation of the mind, it delivers the Word of God into that soul. And it stops producing the very thing that that word is targeted to. <coughs> so what is the wineskin in you? Huh? The mind is the old uh, wineskin. The mind is. So in transformation, you're forming a new wineskin. New, new wineskin. So you're forming a new mindset. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit can't use your old mindset. So it's working with you to transform your mind into thinking differently. Does that make sense? How many of y'all think differently since you've been at King of Life? Yeah. Thinking differently. So you've been transformed in some measure. So... So what happens when the old wineskin bursts? What's the first thing that leaks out? It's called a mixture. Zenny said brains. <laughs> so she's got brains down and she's got critters down. Brains and critters. So we are constantly leaking. How do you leak out a mixture? As soon as you open up your mouth. That's why we can't get a lot done when we, when we pray for people. Because the devil sees the mixture. The devil sees the power of the flesh coming on that person that's trying to get rid of their flesh. But it's coming through you again. That's why the Lord said no more mixtures in his church, in his, in his temple. So listen, mixture leads to works without grace. How many of y'all been there? How many of y'all have prayed and hated to pray? Just completely exhausted. You should be enlightened after you pray. You should pray until you have a breakthrough. Then you stop praying. What did you say? 
You pray until you feel the liberty that is done. Then stop praying about it. It's done now. God has answered that prayer as soon as you got that breakthrough in your spirit. I've experienced And that peace comes on me. And the peace is my assurance that it's done. Because now peace is saying to me that I'm at peace with God. So thank God for the that God pulled us out of that, those prayer groups. Works without grace leads to depression. And what does depression lead to? Suicide thoughts. Giftings working through water held by new wineskin releases power and presence. And that's what God is looking for in every one of us. Power and presence. Isn't it wonderful when the presence shows up before the power? We're just using for the power to show up. I need his power to show up. It doesn't work that way anymore for me. The presence shows up. And if God wants to use the power, he'll use it. But the presence usually does it. The presence usually does it all. It does it all. All you want is the people need to feel love. And sometimes power, they're not feeling that kind of love that they really are looking for. They're looking for the love of the Father. Spiritually, the old wineskin is the old mindset. We just went over that. Those are old mindsets, those spots right there. Misfits are called, listen, you're called to a new wineskin. That is the hardest thing in this ministry, is forming that new wineskin. Because we fear of the unknown. I was talking to a religious person many years ago and talking about transformation and all that kind of stuff, and they weren't interested. I said, why aren't you interested? And they said, at least I know what my problems are. <laughs> That's one of those times, what can you say? <laughs> I want you all to get uh, this little tagline I always use, get in your spirit. Because religious people are going to say, you're out of your mind. And what are you going to say? No. I'm out of your mind. I've seen religious people's heads turn in the spirit. just turn completely backwards. It's amazing what happens to religious demons when you stay, stay stuff like that. It's, it's amazing. Misfits are called a new wineskin. They will cease from digging their own wells and res reservoirs and be satisfied with what the new wineskin contains. So these people are the kind of people who flock to David. That's you. Looking for help. Looking for more of God. Looking to fit in. Without having to prove yourself. Most people try to prove themselves. I got this gift. How can I help you with my gift? I said, shut down your ministry right now. We don't need your gift. We need your obedience. That's all we want is your obedience. And to look to him for everything. 
instead of that gift producing what you think it's producing for you to supply something to you. You're fitting in. Why did they, why did they come to David? It's interesting reading this chapter. You got to read it. Even David's brothers who accused him of being conceited and evil heart, they were named among the followers. I see my brothers coming in. They said these things to me because they didn't understand the apostolic ministry. But they came in. David's brothers came in and started following him. That's, I think that's unbelievable. All the outcasts came to David for four reasons. Number one, they believed in him. They believed David was a true king, which is an apostle. Apostles are king, kings are apostles. And believed he had the right to lead them. So you got to have that mindset that I have the right from God to lead you. I am not going to lead you the wrong way. I can guarantee you that. That'll never happen. That'll never happen. You might think I'm leading you the wrong way by the, the old wineskin thinking, but I'm not leading you the wrong way because my, my leadership is coming out of a new wineskin. My mind is transformed. They saw something different in David. They had been converted from Saul's followers to David's. They recognized that God's care and anointing rested on David. Number two, they decided to follow him. Other leaders had failed them. Other leaders had hurt them. Other leaders had offended them. Other leaders had misled them. But they came to David and decided to follow him. Their belief led to action. Okay? So David had, what did David have? He had revelation. David, look at the Psalms. My God is packed with revelation. David had revelation. David had wisdom. David had all these things. God was working with David. Even though he failed many times. But his heart was right. How many feel like you failed all the time, and, but your heart's right? That's why you're here. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. Untold millions of Christians today believe in Jesus, but they won't stand for him. They won't stand for him. When temptation comes, when testings comes, when troubles come, and all these things come, they don't take a stand. They bow. It's going to be amazing how many bow, Christians are going to bow the knee in these next 10 years and not to Jesus. I've seen it. it it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. They're going to bow their knees. Carnality. Misfits who finally fit in found a home. In casting their lot with David, his followers also had to bear his reproach. Hebrews 13, 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What does reproach mean? Huh? Bearing his shame, bearing his disapproval. Bearing his reproach. Not everybody's going to like you. Number three. They were prepared to submit to him. 
How many in this house tonight feel like you're submitted to the leadership here? Just a few. I'm not talking about just me. You got many leaders in this ministry. If you don't submit to them, who are you submitting to? It's called pride. Pride comes before what? There you go. It's headed your way. They would do all they could to advance David's kingdom. Are you doing all you can to advance the kingdom of God? What are you doing to advance the kingdom? We have houses of peace. We have spots class. We have soul shifters. We have spiritual equipment. On, we have church on Sunday. We have all this thing going on every day of the week to advance his kingdom. Most of us hadn't advanced anything until we come into this ministry because we really didn't know how. Every time, every time I give to people, I'm advancing the kingdom. Every time you help somebody out, you're advancing the kingdom. At some point, you get burned out because the kingdom is not advancing in you. And that comes through transformation. They were fully committed. They were faithful and fully committed. And I just honor the ministers here that have been fully and faithfully committed to me. Because listen, you, you got to be committed to me before you can be, you, before you can believe. You got to believe in the man before you believe in the ministry. Isn't that right? So I honor the ministers here, Carrie and Lee and Chris and Carl, all the ministers that are really committed and faithful to not only me, but the vision of kingdom life to prepare this bride and get her ready for his return. Romans 12.1 I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So what is a living sacrifice? Think about that. What is it? That's a big word. A living sacrifice is submitting to God and resisting the devil. A living sacrifice is denying the flesh from being satisfied. If your flesh wants satisfied, open up your Bible. Just open it up. Don't get on the phone with the people. Meditate on the Word. Read the Word of God. That's what's Okay, number four. David became their captain who steers the ship. So as soon as they took their place as his followers, David became their leader. These are some things that you should expect from your leaders. Number one, guidance. If you, don't, if you need guidance in a certain area, then you should come to us. We may not know what kind of guidance you need, but it's amazing when I sit with people how the Holy Spirit gives me exactly what they need for guidance. So that's a living sacrifice. I am, not, I am not leaning on my own understanding. I get in these meetings, I just lean inwardly. And there's a resurrection that comes up. Number two, protection. You should feel protected. And number three, reward. David was God's chosen and no man could thwart God's plan. So we have guidance, protection, and reward. David finally assumed a throne, his inheritance. He will be glorified. 
I'm going to move ahead. Okay, here it is. This one. How many years was David in that cave? This encouraged me. How many years was David in the cave? Thirteen. I went over there and looked at that ordination over there. And um, it was in 2007 with Without Walls International Church. And so what year are we in? And is that 12 or 13? So we're in our 13th year, right? That says something for this cave. David and his army was released from that cave after 13 years. I hope all of us can be released. Because when you're in their cave, David taught them, 300 people, his wisdom. Taught them his revelations and prepared a great army that 300 defeated, won every battle after that. Are you that army? David hid in the cave, his secret place. Actually, David made that cave a stronghold. Is your altar time a stronghold for you? Is that place where you go to meditate and spend time with God, is it have a stronghold on you? I told you it had a stronghold on me. It pulls me. I can feel it pulling me. Your war room, your closet, your secret place, does it have a storeroom? Does it have a stronghold on you? Listen to this. David needed to learn that to lead others, it's going to take more than a slingshot, a sword, and sheer grit. Because that's all he had. His courage needed to be tempered with the fruit of the Holy Spirit for the needed new kind of leadership to replace Saul. So in the deep cave of solitude, what did he do? What did he do? He worshiped. He engaged, engages with God and implements a new season of change in his spirit and in his mind. He played his harp. The presence of God can transform you. If you don't like meditation, the presence can do the same thing. But you have to soak in it. You have to soak in it. And it usually doesn't really come strong to after three hours. And then you sit as long as you possibly can because your mind is getting transformed. This is how David did it. He didn't have this Bible. He was transformed through his worship. So David had 400 men that were broke, busted, and disgusted who looked to him for leadership. They needed to be changed before they could emerge into destiny. Everyone sitting here is going to be launched in their destiny. We're in our 13th year. You will not be launched if your mind is not transformed. If you think like the world in any area, you're not ready. The only way you can speed that up is get into worship. Hit that three-hour mark and rest in His presence. How many feel like you're in your destiny in this house? Raise your hand. How many feel like you're in your destiny? That you're actually doing what God made you for? It's not your gift. He didn't make you for the gift. He, he put the gift in you so you could be happy. And it works, doesn't it? That's how loving he is. He's not going to put the nine gifts in them. Actually, 17 so they can stay edified.
while they're dying. See, we've been deceived in thinking that all these 17 gifts are working to me. I don't need to die. I feel like I'm in my destiny. No, the gifts, the gifts will not put you in your destiny. They will not. That's a lie from the devil. If that's the case, everybody would have the same destiny. Isn't that true? you got 17 gifts in you. How many of them do you use? Do you even know what they are? I was going to say, I need to do my gifting teaching. I would concentrate on transformation and the renewed mind so you can get in your destiny, what you were created for. Carrie's in what he's created for. Lee's in what she was created for. Chris, these guys, they're in what they were created for because they didn't let go. And it was not easy, was it, Carrie? It wasn't easy for Lee. It was not easy. But they were determined, committed, and faithful because they have a leader that's not going to change. I'm going to be the same today as I am tomorrow. I don't change. I'm determined to finish this race and get this bride ready for his return. Three things David learned. This is it right here. You need to write these three things down. Three things David learned in that cave. Day by day, God's Spirit shaped David into a new vessel, teaching him the first thing. Patience. Patience with your family. Patience in your finances. If, listen, if you have to start thinking about a person in your family, then you're not patient. The person needs to be saved. And you're thinking about them constantly, constantly, constantly. You're actually keeping them unsaved by thinking on them all the time. Jesus said, cast them on me. When you cast something, it's out of your sight. And then wait. Wait. The best time to cast something on Jesus is when you're in the presence of God. Because he died for that presence and he does not want it disrupted. So he's going to take that care and he's going to start working that care and bring it back to you redeemed. If we truly believe, we'll be patient. And it's not your patience, it's his patience. That's the first thing David uh, learned was patience. Patience. The second thing David learned. David needed to get into proper position and spiritual alignment to receive the promise. So in your patience, you got to get in, what's it say? What is a proper position? When you're not in your destined position yet, what is the proper position for you daily? Worship. It's amazing how worship positions you, puts you right in position to receive. So David had to learn this as well. His priorities needed to be his life in order for God. That was number two, right? Number three, David needed to prioritize, prioritize his life 
for God in order to lead those whom God sent into his care. Somebody's in your care, whether it's a son, whether it's a daughter, whoever it is, whether it's your finances, something's in your care. You're going to be patient. You're going to line up with God and worship. Then you're going to prioritize your time. Did I say that right? You can tell I've been with Jesus, right? You're going to prioritize your time. You're going to pro- David had to do it. He had to prioritize his life for God in order to lead those whom God sent into his care. Your son, your daughter, God sent into your care. These little babies we have seen, God sent them into your care. They don't belong to you. you are, they, God sent them for you to steward those babies, to pour the word of God into that baby, keep worship around that baby. I'm so excited about these babies coming forth and the way they're being poured into by their parents with worship, with the word of God and the love that they have for the children. I don't think they're going to have any problems with these children when they're teenagers. See, David was quick to react. How many of you are quick to react (laughs) and to fight and defend yourself? But he also needed to be patient and wait on God. We're waiting on God for some answers just in this ministry with some of our people. We have to worship and wait, worship and wait, worship and wait. Don't get focused on that, that thing or person that needs that redemption. While in the cave, David took time to be alone with God by engaging in quiet time, worshiping and playing that harp. You know what got birthed out of that cave? Psalm 34. So when you're in your quiet time, your altar time, read Psalm 34. That's what got birthed in that cave. You see, David came to the understanding that he was a child of prophetic delay, going through a transitional season of change. Carrie, you were in a prophetic delay. Lee was in a prof- I was in a prophetic delay. Zinni was in a prof- prophetic delay because we are going through a season of change. He learned to love the process as much as the reward. You might hate it now, but you're going to love it later because you see it from a different perspective, different angle. I, 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 I totally, and some of the ones in, in, in the office, look at, a thing, look at everything from a spiritual perspective, like you're looking down on that situation right now. It'll change your view. It'll change your perspective. So the, the reward. So David was in the cave 13 years. Took him 13 years to die to self. Maybe you're called to the cave of transformation. 13 years of dying. Can you um, just write these scriptures down? I want you to meditate on these scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.10. This was the Passion Version. I think all of them. 2 Timothy 2.10, 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11, 10, 11. And the last one, Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12. Do you believe that you're a misfit? I don't care how many times you leave this house, you're not going to fit in anywhere else. You can visit, but you're not going to fit in. You should be changing people when you go out. You have a listen. Y'all have soaked in this presence for how long? 
You need to release that water when you go out. Release that presence on someone. Ask God. That's what I do. I say, Lord, help me enforce the victory of the cross today by bringing someone to me or let me see that person every day. So you all got it down tonight that you're a misfit and you got this <laughs> and you got a home that people that you fit right in and people love you like you are. Yes. Okay.